0: Self Helpless with Kelsey Cook, Delaney Fisher, and Taylor Tomlinson.
3: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Self-Helpless. I'm Kelsey Cook. I'm Delaney Fisher. And I'm Taylor Tomlinson. And today we are so stoked to have this kick-ass guest. We've been wanting to have her on for a while. Uh, she's a certified financial planner, entrepreneur, wife, mother. She is invested in helping others undergo financial transformation. She hosts the podcast Profit Boss Radio. It discusses what powerful and successful women really think and feel about their finances. And uh, she also gave a 2013 TED Talk, which is so cool. Yeah, yeah. And- <laughs> and She's an expert in behavioral finance and money psychology. Please give it up for Hillary Hendershot. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi. Oh my gosh, uh, I'm so excited that you're here, here, Hillary. Um, a few months back, I start, I came upon your podcast and I binge listened to a bunch of episodes and completely fell in love with you and the way that you approach uh, and kind of tackle these topics. And yeah, we are just thrilled that you're here um so uh if you want to go ahead and tell us your favorite or least favorite quote uh to kick off the show <clears throat> start there
4: i'd love to and there's actually controversy about who actually said this quote which i think is normal like it seems like half the quotes on the internet are attributed to albert einstein <laughs> this <one is> either. <laughs> it seems like this this one is either william hutchinson murray or john Paul Goethe. but anyway here goes until one is committed, there is hesitancy, mm. the chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events, issues from the decision, raising in one favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no woman could have dreamt would have come her way. I have learned a deep respect for one of Goethe's couplets, whatever you do or dream you can begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. oh Oh,
3: damn i love that crushed it so much that's one of my actually like my favorite quotes from the artist way you know the book the artist way
4: yes oh i do those morning pages yes aren't they (laughs)
3: life-changing yeah so that's like every time i read the book i just underline that quote every single time it's so good
4: I get so inspired when I read it. It's like actually hard for me to control my voice. <laughs> I
3: love it. Just picking up tables and oh. throwing them. A real intense adrenaline. Yeah. So good. And
0: then we had Hillary on and she started crying. <laughs> openly <Perfect>. weeping. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. So Hillary, if you want to just give us a little bit uh, about your background, how you got into this and like your own personal like financial freedom journey, I would love to hear about that.
4: I do. So I'll give you the high points and then we can dig into anything you like. Awesome. So 1999, I have, I'm a few years out of college. My father brings me into his financial planning practice. I'm supposed to be his business continuation plan, but you know, most of his clients are 30 years older than me. And I'm frankly completely a bored by what I'm doing in the office and B I look around me and all I see is old white men doing what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking I'm the wrong age. I'm the wrong gender. Like, I don't know who how this is ever going to work out for me. So fast forward a couple of years, and I had to get honest that I had some financial troubles myself. Turns out I'm really good at math. I'm really good at the stock market. I'm really good at investing. What I'm not good at is not spending when my money's gone. So I have, like, mm-hmm. tens of thousands of dollars in debt. I had one of those mortgages. I don't know if you've heard about them. They were called negative amortization, and it means that your mortgage balance actually goes up. Every month, like, past what the properties actually were, it was such a terrible decision, especially for, again, someone who's not math stupid, right? Right, And um, so I had to just get really honest, and I negotiated the credit card bills and I actually lost the condo. I walked the keys to my leased BMW back into the credit union. I was like, here you go. I I don't own this anymore. I'm not paying for it anymore. (laughs) I moved out of my condo for a little bit, rented it out, lived in my mom's guest room. I mean the whole bit, just like disassembled everything. And I mean, that obviously really humbled me, but it gave me a lot of compassion And I decided, look, if I can figure this out, I bet I can give it away. And so I started making more and more money as a financial advisor, and I wanted to build a brand around that. And around that time, I joined a mastermind of about 10 or 11 other women led by a business coach. And I got for the first time in my life what it was like to be a woman who supports women and is supported by women. And I was like, this is my home, this is it, this is me. This is what I want to do. Like, this feels right, right? Mm. That I, when I go to look for a doctor, I want a female doctor. Well, mm. there have to be women out there who want a woman professional to work with them on their money. So, that really is the, high, the kind of the one, two, three punch of <laughs> yeah. how I ended up being a financial advisor who specializes in working with women and also
0: a
3: wealth coach man that is so cool so
0: awesome
4: oh my god (laughs) i got so
3: many
0: questions yeah (laughs) just just (laughs) chime in if you want um so i know uh, on your on your show you talk a lot about uh, the money mindset and like shifting all of that um can you talk about like what was your money mindset when you were in a lot of debt and it you know kept piling on versus what your money mindset is like now and how did you change that
4: yep so Money is, first of all, very conceptual. We human beings made it up and then we forgot that we made it up. (laughs) Where Most human beings you meet are completely nuts about money, right? right? And so especially you're a little kid, you're five, six, seven years old and you can't really get this conceptual thing called money. What is this money thing? So you listen to what your adults are saying around you and at some point somebody says something and you decide, I got it, that's money. And for most of us, it was something like, money doesn't grow on trees or there's never enough money or we can't afford that. Right. Mm, for yeah. some mm. of you, it's, um, money is the root of all evil or money is you know greedy or bad. Um, other people have very different money, what I call it, a money operating system. Um, for example, there's always enough money or if I'm good or virtuous, the, the universe will take care of me or worse. Daddy will take care of me. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> right. So I grew up with a lot of there's never enough money. And it actually, I mean, we weren't poor. It's just that my mother was a really good budgeter and a really good saver. So I thought we were poor and we weren't. But but for me, there was never enough money. And also a little spice of money gives me value, like my income and my assets. That's, that's how much I'm worth in the world. So you can imagine those two don't go together very nicely. I'm spending all the money that I'm making, by the way, in Silicon Valley as a recruiter before I was a financial advisor, I'm making $120,000 a year, and I'm like spending 140 oh, I'm um, trying to convince people. I'm trying to convince the people around me that I'm worth something, right? Because yeah, mm-hmm. I think spending money gives me value. Here, I'll buy that for you, and you'll like me. Turns out I don't mm-hmm. even like you right? Uh, right. (laughs) So I was able to alter that. I mean, I just got, I was like, when I realized that there was no way, unless I got really serious about changing that I was ever going to have, stop having financial emergencies. There was no way I was ever going to be financially independent or experience financial freedom unless I really, really altered what was going on. So I think I was able to alter that money operating system over time by uh, both impacting what I was saying out loud about money and what I was doing about money. So, for example, when someone who thinks there's never enough money has money come into their accounts, they're always going to spend it. Mm -hmm, They mm -hmm. have to because otherwise there's enough money, (laughs) right? Right. So when I I forced myself to stop spending all the money and then I stopped lying about money, I started saying I'm not going to buy that Sure, I'll come out to drinks with you, but you have to pay for me. Like I <laughs> was like telling people I like, I was dating. Like I'm living with my mom. Like I just got really honest, wow. yeah. and um, you know, and so pretty soon the reality is, as the bank account balances grow, I have enough money, and I have enough money because I don't spend it.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> right. So uh, I think I think changing your money operating system first of all is totally possible probably doesn't happen in an instant and it's some combination of altering what you say about money and altering you how you manage your money at the same time
0: mm-hmm. yeah and would you say there's there's only two money operating systems like i never have enough money and i have enough money or are there more that you see out there i think there's
4: about seven or eight core money operating systems mm. so Believe it or not, there's always enough money is a money operating system. And so that can be a great one because those people don't have financial anxiety. However, what they also don't do is plan because they Mm. think there's always enough money. So I had someone, yeah, I had someone once call me and she said, I just retired. I'm so happy. I've always been a great saver. I have $200,000 and I'm never going to work again. And I said, I can't help you but that money is going to be gone in four years. You should have called me before you retired, but that person was definitely a, there's always enough money person. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So my husband got money is no problem. And truly money isn't a problem with us. And when money is no problem, he also won't really talk about it. Like it's hard for me to get him to discuss the details because it's no problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, Each one, in my opinion, left unexamined, brings some level of stress, problem, suffering, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So you have the ability to surmount your money operating system. And and he will, you know, because I've talked to him, he he hears me talking about this stuff all the time. And sometimes we'll sit down and he'll go, well, I just handled that. And I look at him and he says, oh, I'm being money is no problem. I said, yes, you need to actually tell me the details. Yeah, (laughs) so that's
0: great. Well, yeah. Helpful putting a label on it for yeah. me. Like, yeah. I, I was definitely a person who's like, I never have enough money. I probably never will. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and too. now I'm really trying to shift to I have I have enough money. Like I'm yeah. doing okay, and money more money will come in. And I'm trying to tr- trying to go that way, but it's a constant internal battle. Yeah, um, it really is. And believe
4: it or not, that belief will alter the opportunities that you pursue, the mm-hmm. people you call the networking that, you know, you maximize because of that belief is in the background all the time.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a domino effect. It seems like we talked about that um, because all three of us around the same time decided to move to be closer to one another and kind of like upgrade our living situations and I had so much fear about doing that I mean I was dragging my feet for months and months even though the area that my fiance and I lived in was not very safe and just like bad things kept happening I was like god but what if we move to this more expensive place and like we go homeless or something yeah, like what if we go right. broke but sure enough everybody's like look if you just take that leap it's actually like what your quote said at the beginning if you just take action there's like magic and power to that and sure enough like other doors opened that you know i don't know if they would have opened otherwise but they did and like we've been okay so far so that's awesome
0: yeah i found that it's like yeah, my... i think that's
4: a yeah sorry go ahead hillary i was just gonna say that's a perfect example
3: yeah, it's it's terrifying, but it's kind of like you do get that positive affirmation with each step you
2: take. Like, oh, okay, I'm still going. I'm still floating. Yeah, <laughs> and of course you have to do that within reason. Like, you can't sure. be like, money will come. I mean, just sign that yacht lease. <laughs> yeah. Can you lease a yacht? I don't know how yachts work. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
0: don't lease a yacht. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also found like if anybody is self-employed, uh, charging what you're worth, or what you feel your time worth is a huge Issue for me, um, or like in the past, like not asking for raises that I knew I deserved, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, like, yeah, that money mindset can just affect everything. And right. if you can just mm-hmm. shift that, you could make more money because you're going to believe that you're worth more and all that good stuff. Anyway, do you guys have questions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like you're trying to defer to us to be polite. I, but you're oh also God, like, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, so
2: for people who are kind of, like, afraid to talk about money even to themselves, because I think there are a lot of people who are even, like, afraid to log into their bank accounts because they're like, I I don't want to face it. Um, What are, like, the right questions to ask yourself about your financial situation, Hillary, to kind of get you in that place of, like, okay, I'm going to hopefully increase uh, my income while also, like, becoming more responsible about budgeting, not spending, et cetera, et cetera.
4: Yeah. So first of all, I was definitely that person when I was a, an, when I was an overspender. I never wanted to look at the bank account. First of all, it would have given me a mental budget, and second of all, it would half the time it was overdrawn. Right? Mm, yeah. Um, you know, I would say do this: set aside an hour, get out your journal or a piece of binder paper or type on your MacBook if that's your device of choice. Maybe light a candle. I don't mm-hmm. recommend wine when you're thinking money not all the way to your consciousness. But just write down the things you think are true about money. And mm-hmm. that is your money operating system. Mm-hmm. Money doesn't have any objective truth. It doesn't exist. It doesn't have a nature. It isn't scarce or abundant. It isn't it just is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a blank slate, right? And so the things, it's like the water you swim in about money. And if you refuse to talk to other people about money, there are things that you say to yourself about money. It's, you know, start with just react to the statement. There's never enough money. Is that true for you? Mm -hmm. Look at your bank accounts. What's your experience of life? Can you pay your bills? Do you have the things you like? Are you saving for the future? right and i said yeah, hmm. that once you get started writing down the things you think are true about money maybe start with your money story what's that origin story from your childhood and by the way interestingly i think it's important to add this bit that i went back and i interviewed my mom about money when i was doing my own financial transformation and um you know she took the opportunity to let me know that she wanted to hire me as her advisor, she actually is a client now. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, she was about to retire into a very lucrative retirement. I say to my mom and her husband, you guys spend more in retirement than anybody I know. They've Ah. done really well. So, like, like, and so I think the point is that my, what I glommed onto as a five-year-old or a six-year-old or a 10-year-old who couldn't get the nike high tops
3: yeah (laughs) um, Mm -hmm.
4: it wasn't wasn't true in reality we weren't poor right she just wouldn't spend on the things i wanted so when you look back at your origin story just note that that's the story of a young child Mm -hmm.
0: right
4: Uh, and you could go interview your family too that's a great thing to do actually you're going to find out a lot especially your siblings that's wow. an amazing idea.
0: I'm definitely going to be doing that. I'm definitely doing
3: that. <laughs> I feel like I grew up like the flip-flop of you, Hillary, where um, I didn't think I was poor because my mom cared so much about like not wanting to disappoint me and my brother that she would just charge things to credit cards that she didn't actually have the money to mm-hmm. cover and then got herself into problems. And I didn't realize until like she had declared bankruptcy that I was like, oh, Like, I guess we do have money problems. And, you know, I was being raised by like a single mom, single parent income, while all of my other friends, both uh, of their parents were still married. And it was I knew that I was like the poor one of my friends. But I didn't realize we had like real problems until I started to notice, oh, this is how my mom copes with money issues is that she just wants to make sure her kids are happy. But in Mm. turn, that, you know, creates so many other problems.
4: Yeah. That's like more of a rude awakening, right? We, uh-huh. You know, think that there's enough money and it turns out there's actually massive problems. It's like right. being slap in the face. Right,
3: exactly, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I had a question about student loans and I wonder if that's a really common um, issue you see, especially with like young women, people who are coming right out of college because it's so tough. You get hit with these loans while you are just trying to spread your wings and like be financially independent. And I know for me, I've been able to pay off one of them. I'm in the process of paying another. And then there's one that's just like huge, just thousands of dollars. And I'm having trouble even like starting to chip away at it Mm. because it's so daunting that I'm just like, oh, I'll just keep doing like income deferment plan or whatever, like low income deferment, just keep pushing it off. Do you have advice for people like am i doing the wrong thing should i just start tackling like the the debt and the interest that's accumulated with that
4: so i uh have a strong hatred for low-income deferment programs and here's why mm. because you have to keep your income low <laughs> mm. like uh, yeah i think yeah. I think rather than focus on whether you should pay off your student loans, why don't you go focus on making a quarter million dollars this year?
0: Uh, (laughs) Sounds pretty nice. (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, like,
4: you know, money does solve problems. Yeah. And so if you've already incurred the debt, I mean, if you haven't incurred the debt, then by all means, minimize the debt. But if you've already incurred the debt, there's nothing to do except pay it off as quickly as you can so that you can get started building your nest egg. Yeah. And so I'm just a big fan of women having like wildly high income. Fuck <laughs> yeah, man. <Yes>. Us too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I know sometimes easier said than done. And I've been working my tail off for four years in my own, like I own my own shop over here. And my, you know, my business revenues are are getting to the point where they're actually impressive. Like, in an, in an objective scale, I am making more than the m- massive amount of business owners. But it didn't work that way. That's, that's really and cool. It. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So again, I'm not hand waving how tough that is, but yeah, I, I, for you, for you, I would just say forget the debt like yeah put it off as long as you can but go focus on bringing your income up don't stay in low income deferment programs right mm-hmm. yeah thank you that's just right changing advice. the
2: mindset it sounds like of like
0: <laughs> right yeah when you start to
2: freak out about it go like well i'll just do low deferment like yeah. six months from now yeah saying like don't think that way i mean do it if you are still yeah. at that place okay yeah that, that makes
0: sense. sense
1: okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you
2: um experience as a kid anyway where like when i got older i was like oh we didn't have any money but my mom was just really good about like budgeting and i'm like oh we just went to thrift stores all the time like we just so that sounds right, similar to eat hillary very healthy yeah 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 right. so um yeah so not being aware of you know low income or money problems but it's just because my parents i think handled it pretty well um I mean, are there are there things that for specific because we have a lot of listeners who are like in their 20s, early 30s. Are there specific financial steps, whether it's, you know, just retirement, whatever it is that people our age don't think about because, you know, we're. 22, we're going to live forever, <laughs> Yeah, uh, that, you, um, <laughs> that you recommend to, to people in this age bracket at this time in their life that like, hey, I know nobody's probably told you to worry about this, but you should be worrying about this and you should be taking steps to do it.
4: Yeah, if you are in your early 20s, you're lucky to be in a position where I can say start early. And if you do, that actually makes a difference. Mostly when I talk to groups of women, they're in their late 30s and 40s, and I don't even bother to say it because that time has already come and gone, right? So (laughs) if you can open, you know, if you qualify to contribute to a Roth IRA, that Um, probably is going to be a great asset for you in the future because you pay income tax, and in your case, if you're low income or medium income, you pay a very low tax rate on it. You put the money in an account, let it grow for a couple decades, maybe three or four decades and you never pay tax on it again. So that could be a huge asset for you in the future. Other things, be vigilant about your credit Um, when you do want a high FICO score to buy a house. And in my opinion, that's one of the only reasons to have a good FICO score is to get a mortgage. Mm. Um, Well, and to get good interest rates on your credit cards, right? But you should have points credit cards and you should pay off the balances every month.
0: Mm -hmm. But be
4: vigilant about your credit. Like get maybe two or three points cards. Make sure that you don't. Not pay off the balances at the end of the month. And if you can, you know, as soon as you can get yourself on a savings program, do that. Um, The biggest leverage points in most people's financial lives are one, where they live, and two, the car that they drive. Mm. So when I say leverage point, I mean it's the biggest expense. So if you overspend, it's a massive deal. And not buying a latte every day is never going to help you recover from being (laughs) someone who always has an auto loan. Yeah. Right? Like the amount of money that you will pay to service the debt on an auto loan if you're someone who borrows money every time you buy a car is so massive. It's like a million dollars that'll cost you over your lifetime. So, pay cash for your next car yeah like be a person who pays cash for cars and if you get nothing
0: else out of this podcast i just handed you a million (laughs) dollars yeah Yeah. oh my god so true (laughs) oh man um hillary can you kind of like give us the steps that you took to kind of get out of debt and and thrive and all that like you mentioned you moved in with your mom you handed your car in uh you rented out your condo like what um how long did that take what was the process all that good stuff
4: I did. So actually what I did was while that was happening and I said to myself, I thought I can make this easy for people, is I looked back and I looked at what I actually did. So I created a seven-step framework. Sound like a good thing to go through? Yeah, I love it. Okay, Okay. so the first step is really to decide. So you have to decide that in your financial life, your goal is to reach financial independence, to be financially successful, to make a lot of money, to save enough that you can stop working at some point. And a lot of people say, well, I've decided. And the answer is, well, okay, but if you didn't start taking other different actions after you decided, you didn't truly decide. Mm -hmm. Okay? Just like – you know when you 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 said I don't know which one of you said that you were hemming and hawing about moving to a new neighborhood. Oh yeah, and you were, you were like <laughs> yeah, you were like thinking and thinking and worrying and thinking, and then finally you decided and you took an action called you you scheduled the movers. hmm Right. Yep. Yeah, we gave <laughs> our notice. the new lease. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So deciding always precedes action. Okay. So then the second step. Is and I made these all one word so they're you know it's like a pretty little framework. So <laughs> <Yeah. is> speak. <laughs> the second step is speak, and we already talked about the importance of the money operating system and the things that you say about money. Like for example, you should never say "I can't afford that" again. Mm-hmm. You know, if something isn't in your spending plan, just say "I'm not going to buy that." Like it's not that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you really want it and you can't see the money right now, you just say, "Well, let me go see how I'm going to get the money for that." That's mm-hmm. it. Okay, so that's two. (laughs) The third is plan. you got to have a plan for your money. You definitely would not get in your car to go to your girlfriend's house if you didn't have the address. Mm -hmm. That would be stupid. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's a great (laughs) analogy. (laughs) Yeah, but that's how most people run their money, right? And then kind of the how to get extra credit on that one is most people plan their savings by saving what is left over after they spend. Mm -hmm. So you can win that game by deciding how much to save. Um, And then spending what's left and that makes your net worth go up every single day and that for those of you listening your net worth is what it's all about when it comes to your financial life. So you want to be growing that net worth, which is the total of your assets minus the total of your debts uh, every single pay period if you can. Okay. Uh, So the fourth step is ask. And so there's a million ways to ask for more money. You can negotiate, you can ask for a discount, you can ask for a raise, you can double your prices. Lots of ways to ask, but you want to be expanding the size of your financial life all the time. The fifth step is earn. We talked about earning. I just I like to say the number two hundred and fifty thousand dollars because I, I want you to react to it. I said it earlier, right? I'm like, yeah. well, what would it take to make a quarter million dollars? Like anchor on something, get something specific in your mind. Mine has been five hundred thousand dollars for a long time. Wow. <laughs> and mm. I just think it's good to have something very specific. Okay, yeah. the sixth step is invest. Um, For those of you who are young, maybe your first experience with the stock market was the financial crisis. Lots Mm -hmm. of folks out there have post-traumatic stress syndrome when it comes to investing. But I promise you, and it's totally outside the scope of this conversation, but there are super, super, super smart, evidence-based, like scientifically proven, low-cost ways to invest that will probably earn you higher returns than your neighbor, uncle, or family member, okay? Like, mm, you'll yeah. probably get higher returns than anybody you know. Just because most people screw it up, that's the truth. Most people mess up investing, period. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then seven is protect. So once you built your castle, you have to build a moat around it. You ask 100 women, what would you do if I gave you a million dollars? And they start talking about all the people they would give it away to. Keep it. For yourself.
3: (laughs) Fuck them bitches.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Like Mark Zuckerberg created a plan to give away his billions of dollars during his lifetime, and that's fine. Once you have enough, you can create a plan to give it away. But until then, you need to be in sufficiency so that people around you are well and nurtured by you can be taken care of by you. I promise you can make a massively bigger difference when you have enough. Okay. And part of this step is also insurance. I mean, if you're listening, you definitely need auto insurance, whether you rent, you need renter's insurance. If you own, you need homeowners, like get all the insurances. If you're parents, you definitely need life insurance, like a small, term, not small, a term life insurance policy. I don't sell insurance. Okay. So I'm not hawking my (laughs) beer. but, um, (laughs) but you do need insurance. And so, those seven steps um, if you any any story of financial failure that you've heard is a failure to execute on one of those steps most people just think about earning there are yeah. a million co- courses and coaches that you can spend a million dollars on learning how to earn money but they don't teach you what to do with it once you have it mm-hmm. um, so preserving your money and growing it is a very separate skill from earning it and you have to have both. Wow.
3: Mm-hmm. So good. How can I uh, sign up to work with you? I just want to work with you so much. <laughs> I know. <Okay. laughs> this is awesome.
0: Um, I, have a, I have a question, kind of like a, you know, the money operating system-esque question. So if somebody out there is working a job and they haven't gotten a raise in a long time, but they think they deserve one, uh, but they feel it, like the guilt for asking or they don't even know where to start, how to present it to their boss or whoever it is, like what what kind of tips or advice would you would you give them should they write out like all the things all the reasons why they deserve a raise and go in there like having rehearsed this like you know saga or this monologue or like where do you even start with that so i
4: think you have to do your research and you have to be armed and prepared for the conversation i think you need to know what folks in your industry are earning I don't, you know, I, it's been a long time since I work in a corporate environment, so I don't know what it's like to ask your coworkers how much they make, but it would be great. In a perfect world, you would go ask the other folks working at the company what they're making and they would tell you because right. transparency works, but I know that that's not always possible. Um, mm-hmm. And then you want to be able, you want to have a really well-developed conversation around, first of all, what are the things that your boss said he or she wanted from you and how have you executed on them? What extra steps have you taken and what kind of value have you provided for the company? I do believe there's evidence. So first of all, anytime you ask for something, you want to have a reason why. So it's, it's been shown through research that if you give someone a reason, for example, I go to Starbucks and I say, hey, can I have a discount on my latte? Now, he may or may not say yes, but if I say, it, can I have a discount on my latte because it's National Long Hair Day? That I have a much higher chance. <laughs> I, have a, I have a much higher chance of getting that discount if they give a reason. Okay, so anytime uh... you ask for something, including a raise, you want to have a reason. Um, so I'm here, and and also ask for a specific number. So mm-hmm. if I earn. Seventy-five thousand dollars a year. I'm asking for a raise to seventy-nine thousand dollars a year, and the reason is that other people who do the same thing I do, according to Glassdoor.com, in the same area are earning eighty thousand. And since that, and since I came on the job, you've asked me to do X, Y, and Z, and I did W, X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And ultimately, in any negotiation, she who wants it less wins okay mm-hmm. so here's what i mean is that let's say you're dating and there are three really hot dudes vying for you Sounds right great. obviously <laughs> if you don't get hot dude number one you you're you, you have offers from hot dude number two and number three right yeah versus a situation where there's just one and he's a commitment phobe. now obviously if you need to get married in the next year you are in a step-down situation if there's just one commitment phobe, okay? Yeah. (laughs) And that's all intuitive to you, right? Like, so here I am, okay, this commitment phobe, and I need to get married in a year. I'm feeling a little needy here. I'm feeling like there's a chance I'm not going to get what I need versus I've got three great prospects. Well, it's the same in any negotiation, so you want to know where your drop-dead point is. So if you're going to ask for a raise, and if they say no quarter after quarter after quarter, well, if you don't leave that job, Ultimately, you're never going to get what you want. So it would be great if you had an offer in your back pocket, right? And that's how you be the person in that negotiation who wants it less. Because if they don't give you 79, you can get 81 down the street. Oh, mm-hmm.
0: Right. Well, so that's a great that game would be plan. Ideal. Yeah.
4: That's, okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's that. good for I show business, of, too. Think yeah. of it as lining up your hot dudes. Yeah, yeah there you go.
3: <laughs> well, I could <can> do that. <laughs> I had a question about uh, you're talking about savings accounts. Is there a particular bank or institution that you find their savings account uh, to be like one of the better ones mm. to go with in terms of interest rates, stuff like that? Yeah. Same with credit cards and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So, and I'll just pull out my wallet right now. Um, first, we'll talk about savings accounts. Okay. Um, I use NerdWallet.com as a oh. reference site for all of those questions. So you have highest High yield savings accounts, you have best points credit cards. There are different best points credit cards for people who travel a lot um, or oh. spend a lot of money at oh, grocery cool. stores. So yes. I have I myself have the American Express cash back card. I just think it's really simple. I get basically three percent cash back on everything I buy. Okay. The okay. Citibank cash, Citibank something cash card. Because I bank at Citibank. Okay. Um So, but you can find lists of best credit cards and best high yield savings accounts because they change, right? So, Mm. nerdwallet keeps it up to date.
2: That's so awesome! I've never even heard of that.
0: Yeah, that's a huge resource. Thank you. We all just grabbed our phones, like (laughs) taking notes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I have a question. I mean, you're obviously self-employed. You've built this incredible business for yourself. Uh, when it came to like setting your prices in the beginning and like how, how did it? Uh, how did you like expand them? Did you expand over time? Did you come out? Could you like come out hot with like, you know, the top price in the <laughs> industry? Like, And how did you kind of get over that hump of like, I deserve X amount of money and this is what I'm asking for. And if people are not into it, then mm-hmm. they're not for me. Like, how do you do that? yeah
4: Yeah. so i am definitely not a fake it till you make it person and Mm i i think if i was looking for a financial advisor maybe that if that were a way if there were a way i could distinguish certain personality traits that's one i would actually like however there are lots of times in my life when i've wished that i was more confident without evidence Mm -hmm. i'm someone who definitely needs some experience and evidence that i'm good and provide value before i do that so then to really answer your question. I still remember the first time someone I had—I was working in my dad's firm. She called me up. She left a message on my voicemail, and she said, "I need a new financial advisor. I met you at this thing, and I'd like it to be you." And she was basically in this situation where her current boyfriend found out that her financial advisor was her ex-boyfriend. Okay, oh, so oh. he was pissed, right? So she wanted a female, and I was like. And I I called her up, and I said, well, how much money are we talking about? And she said $2 million. And I almost fell out of my chair. Wow.
1: Whoa. I
4: was like, $2 million? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Right? So she comes into my office, and I put the contract in front of her. Of course, I had had an hour of coaching on this from my father, and my brain is screaming like, "Why are you signing this? Like, what are you doing? I don't have any clue what I'm talking about." And she's signing the contract, and, and there's like this other voice screaming in my head like, "Just don't interrupt her." Like, I don't <laughs> say anything to yeah, don't fuck this up, signed. right? You know exactly. Don't fuck this up. And she's still a client. <laughs> She literally is still a client. She's my longest standing client. So anyway, that was the first client and kind of prices in my industry are, are kind of standardized. Like almost Mm. everybody charges 1% of the account balance that we manage. Mm. And so, um, so over time um, I've tried all kinds of things. I had like an online course. I was afraid to charge $299. I had a business finance course. I was afraid to charge $695 and um, I think that course made me $30,000 total. I've never quite figured out how to sell online courses. I just never, that was never my forte. Mm. And um, so just, I mean, I think I i bust my ass. Honestly, I have worked really hard and i am I happen to have a skill set in public speaking. So I go speak to groups of women and it turns out to be just an awesome way to make connection. If you're vulnerable and share about yourself, people get to know you, right? right. And so I've had a lot of people hire me I've, um, I'm grateful to have hired staff underneath me. So I have four women that work for me. And so a- as you go, you raise your prices and you raise your minimums because you have to, Yeah. Right? I mean. like, I, I felt like the, the, the floor has risen below me kind of a thing. And so, you know, this year for the first time, basically everything I do is a $10,000 minimum. And I, Mm. I know that probably sounds nuts out to you guys listening. Yeah, that's, um, awesome.
0: that's inspiring. It's <laughs> no, <that's> really cool. <laughs> Very inspiring.
4: Yeah, it's been it's been good. And I I mean, I still like 5 minutes before I called in for this interview, the gal who was interviewing me started asking questions. She so she's a podcaster and she's not happy with her current situation and i feel hesitancy to tell her i have a minimum like i don't want to say it it's still there wow you know Um, so i'm not i'm not perfect but we all teach what we have to learn right yeah oh i love that that's a (laughs) good quote
2: that was good yeah
3: (laughs) (laughs) um i wondered if you help people um, who are in relationships and talking about like financial mindset within a relationship, good question. Uh, I feel like mm-hmm. not very often do two people feel the exact same way about money in a relationship, and uh, yeah, I just wondered what your advice was on that.
4: Mm-hmm. So my experience is that differences in relationship really get worked out during the second step in the framework, the speak step. Mm-hmm. So honestly, you get together because you're romantically compatible and a financial, excuse me, a marriage, if you live together or run your money together, that becomes a business finance partnership. So some people try to like not acknowledge the other aspect of their relationship. Here we are because we had a lot of chemistry, but we haven't talked through the business aspect of our relationship. And so Mm. Like as an example, I worked with a couple last year who they're Silicon Valley engineers. They're making, let me see, four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year combined, and they had two hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt, cool. and they couldn't figure it out. Like they're saving in their four hundred and one k, so they're not. Their net worth is way above zero, but every month they pay off some of the credit card debt and then they rack it right back up again. So and they were just at loggerheads about it, and so over the course of the program, what we saw was. Um, you know, she had a very practical money operating system, but he had a more emotional one, that he had an aspect of him that he felt was an artist. He wanted to do photography and music. So every month that he had taken this job as an engineer to support his family, like he had sacrificed this aspect of his self-expression. Right. And so he's buying photography and music equipment every month and, and it's expensive and yeah. she sees what he's buying. So she keeps tightening her belt and she asks him please stop buying the stuff. And all he hears is I don't want you to be a full human being. (laughs) Like, like your self-expression doesn't matter to me. What matters is money. And that wasn't the communication from her at all. And when we were, when we got down to it, it's never a money issue. It never has to do with money. It always has to do with some aspect of psychology. And my experience is when you, discover it and bring it to bear and actually find ways for him. And we were able to find ways for him to continue buying photography, music equipment, right? I mean, he already has a massive amount of it. So he can <laughs> just, now that he knows what's going on, he can just use the stuff he already has, but he also has a budget so he can buy it just less frequently. Mm. And they paid off by the way, they paid off like $77,000 in debt in six bucks, wow. seven months. It was, wow. it was like pretty incredible. Wow. So yeah. And and so like we talked about money operating systems earlier. So imagine if money makes me powerful or money gives me worse gets together with money is the root of all evil. Mm. It's like world war 3 waiting to happen, right? Yeah. But it's unacknowledged. They don't know. They probably don't even know what their money operating system is. They just think that's true, right? Yeah. So when you when you walk through that framework and you really look at your strongly held beliefs about money as just that, something to be thought about, but something, frankly, to be challenged. Um, yeah. And you look at money like a business, I think that you can take a lot of the emotion and, frankly, a lot of the conflict out of money.
3: That's really smart to view it as a business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it yeah, is
4: business.
2: That's what your partner is, a business partner. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you're a partner in every sense of the word.
3: <laughs> yeah. I just feel like so often when you're talking about it, like you said, it does turn into more of an emotional thing and people's backgrounds and stuff like that as opposed to. That it is just money, it's just objective.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some financial coaches who make it seem like they say, oh, well, talk about your money story. Like, let me tell you about all the pain when my parents got divorced and how, you know, there was child support and blah, 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 blah. And then you tell me your story of you being a multimillionaire with a silver spoon in your mouth. <laughs> and people act like that has that has any bearing on anything. That's just what you got imprinted with. That doesn't mean you're stuck with it.
3: Yeah. yeah right. right.
4: You can have any financial reality that you want. Your current financial story doesn't have to limit you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah um what would you say to, uh hillary to like people who are listening who feel like they're beyond help like they're too far in debt like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars like have you seen somebody turn around like a huge massive amount like is there anything that's too much is anybody beyond help or can everybody get this kind of help
4: <laughs> yeah well thanks for the soft love. yeah i love to tell this last story so i had a hero from my coaching program last year so, And I'll call her Danica. It's not her real name. But she came into the program. Uh, she had been working for a decade as a real estate agent. So she did have $400,000 in income, but she also had $450,000 in expenses.
0: Mm.
4: She had $200,000 in credit card debt and almost $85,000 in IRS debt. And she had a very compelling narrative, a story about a divorce that she had survived now if you're in your 20s maybe you didn't survive a divorce a decade ago but you have some story about why money is the way that it is for you okay mm-hmm. and so she was always telling the story and everyone around her was enrolled in the story and people gave her and her kids free places to live and she had personal loans from all of her friends and everyone felt sorry for her and they were very inspired by her being this martyr slash victim right mm-hmm. and I said to her Danica you've done well, you're a survivor, and I'm glad that the divorce didn't kill you. But as long as you have a story about being a survivor slash martyr slash victim, you will never triumph because Mm -hmm. the survivor slash martyr slash victim is always 10 feet from the summit, Mm -hmm. and you'll always keep yourself 10 feet from the summit until you decide that that story is part of your past. And so, and she really got it. And she went around to her colleagues and her friends and her kids, which was massively powerful because she was spending so much money trying to buy their forgiveness for what had happened. And she said, yeah, she's like, I can't take care of you and me. I need to take care of me so that when I get old, you don't have to take care of me.
0: Right. (laughs) And they
4: said, you know, they said, we totally get it. We never expected this. It's all good. Like we're earning money. Go mom. You do you. And it was like she became a magnet for money. She used to dance into our mastermind meetings. We have these Saturday meetings where we all sit around and talk. And she was like, you guys, I don't even know how I managed to be here. I have so much work. It's ridiculous. The listings keep pouring in. And if you don't know the real estate industry, listings is how they really make money, selling houses. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so she finished 2018. So we met in January. And she had made four hundred thousand dollars in twenty seventeen. She made almost nine hundred thousand dollars last year. Oh, oh my gosh. god! Jesus,
0: That's is little. that insane?
4: She has she has no more debt. Her, um, interestingly, her tax planner, her CPA, negotiated her IRS debt, so she got like twenty k for free. Wow! Um, she built up a ninety thousand dollars savings account, so a curveball account. Most people call that their rainy day fund. Um yeah she's just like dancing on clouds when oh, every geez. time i see her and she sends me inspiring quotes all the time she's always texting me it's so cute um. <laughs> so quotes
2: make so, you rich that's yeah what you're saying we should be making yeah, far yeah, more yeah. money just if quotes are the clothes. key
0: <laughs> wow
4: so i do love to tell that story and i think it's a perfect example of you know a lot of people think how you make more money is you work harder Mm-hmm. Well, in her case, she had a bubble around her that was keeping success from her. And I'm not a woo-woo person, but your <laughs> life is a function of what you say. Like, right. uh, we're a conversational species, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm not saying that everyone's everyone who's listening mm-hmm. is mostly hindered by the speak step, but it is a critical aspect. And you can make a massive difference in your life by altering what you say about money.
0: Man, oh, that's good. Um, and isn't there isn't there something funny that you've named your bank accounts, if I can remember from one of your podcast <laughs> yeah. episodes? Can you share that with yes. us? <laughs> like how to make it yes. fun?
4: Yeah, so instead of categorizing your money based on dumb categories that everybody does, like utilities and gas and clothing and self-care and blah, 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 nobody ever abides by budgets like that. I hate them. I've never seen them really empower anybody like people come into my office and they're like, here's this budget I spent all day Saturday creating. I say, great. Have you ever abided by it? And they go, <laughs> no. <laughs> so scratch all that. And now you get to categorize your spending based on when you made the decision to spend it. So if you're already contractually obligated to something, such as your mortgage, your rent, your insurances, your subscriptions, your memberships, those are yesterday's promises. Then you have uh, your funding tomorrow, your tomorrows, right? So your short and long term savings, those are tomorrow's dreams. Mm. And then what's remaining is the amount you get to spend today, on groceries or restaurants or small gifts or Ubers, going out, whatever that may be. That's today's fun. So mm-hmm. yesterday's promises, tomorrow's dreams, and today's fun. I
0: love and that. And my
4: accounts are that's literally great. named that.
0: Okay. I love that. I love that. That's just it makes it it makes it feel like attainable, right? Yeah. Like it makes it feel like you can achieve that. Yeah, just three categories, simplified. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love it. Man, I'm so fired up. To, I know. Don't make money. I know. <laughs> I'm just like, Whoa. make it rain. Yeah. Oh man well this was incredible yeah, this was incredible yeah i hope so you much. do we
4: should do like a reunion show in a year we should come back and you can tell me how much money you made oh,
2: oh, I'll
0: make you millions of dollars. That, that would be fantastic we would
3: love to have you back on that'd oh, be so, fun. My so much fun
0: yeah hillary where can people find you all that good stuff Sure.
4: So um, I'm currently accepting applications in my annual coaching program. If you're interested, you'd like one-on-one accountability and coaching, just go to 50kwealthmultiplier.com. So it's 50kwealthmultiplier.com. Everything I do is at hillaryhendershot.com. Hillary has one L and two Ts. And if you have room in your podcast lineup and you'd like to check out a personal finance and wealth empowerment show, check out Profit Boss radio anywhere you listen to
0: podcasts oh it's so good you guys have to listen to profit boss i oh, love it i know i'm um, so i'm like subscribing right yeah now. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm very fired up um anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with hillary i mean you've already given so much Yes. But <laughs> anything that we didn't cover
4: <laughs> um i think my biggest message to people is that no matter where you are no matter how deep the hole is no matter what you think about what it means about you that you are doing what you're doing in your personal financial life, that anything is possible, that you can turn turn around any set of results, and the world really is your oyster. And so you just got to get out of your own head and get some new conversations and some new actions in your life. So uh, my, my voice in the world is that anything is possible for you
0: oh mm. mm. thank you it. so much hillary thank we you. you this was awesome have a good lady. one thank you <laughs> yeah. bye. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. bye wow oh, dude i love her
2: so much i know she's great i can't okay. wait
0: to listen to her podcast dude i just like want her to be like my big sister you know yeah, yeah. Or, like a cool aunt Yeah, like she's just so. I was telling you guys, like, she's somebody that I can listen to her voice and listen to her speak all day. Yeah, I can binge listen a million episodes of hers. Yeah, Yeah.
3: oh man, it's so funny because she's like, don't say you can't afford things. Yeah, but (laughs) as soon as she said what her minimum was, it was like ten thousand dollars to work with her, right? And uh, was like, oh, I can't afford it. I'll try to be better about shifting that, but I was like, damn it, I really did. I would like to. Work with somebody at some point, but she's like it sounds like like the big kahuna. So maybe there's yeah. somebody who's like a
0: little bit newer. Though. Or you'd be like, you know, how yeah. can I save up to work with mm-hmm. Hillary Henderson? Yeah, there, exactly. you right? there you go. Right, and freaking mm, flip the script. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh man. Well, do we have dates to plug? Yeah, because this comes out on the twenty second of April. Um, I hope everyone had a good Easter. If you're into that. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that yeah. That's that, that was yesterday.
0: Nice now, painting some eggs of some kind. Paint some <laughs> eggs of some some kind <laughs> they're chicken eggs vegan usually. eggs if you have paper mache eggs that's probably oh my better goodness. That so
2: funny. <laughs> i am uh at moon tower comedy festival uh this week the 25th through the 27th in austin texas uh, so that'll be really cool and then i'm back headlining the comedy works downtown in denver may 8th through 11th um and then on the 12th i think i'm there doing doug loves movies in the afternoon and on the 7th i come in a day early i'm gonna do a show in fort collins so if you're in fort collins that's pretty cool um and then i'm in dayton ohio may 17th through 19th awesome um i'll be headlining the dc comedy
3: loft may 3rd and 4th this is kelsey by the way i know sometimes like. oh, yeah
2: that was taylor that first one <laughs> that was taylor uh a bunch of people just scratch things off their calendar like i thought
3: that was kelsey. oh <laughs> shut up um i'll be at the dc comedy loft kane will be featuring for me it's gonna be a really fun weekend i know that we have a lot of dc helpsters so go to kelseycook.com for those tickets and i, I also have like a bunch of other road dates coming up that are just kind of sporadic so go to kelseycook.com and see if there's anything in your area beautiful Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, i've been really enjoying making uh dick mugs for people's weddings and stuff coming up i think Mm -hmm. it's fucking hilarious that (laughs) that uh, i'm gonna be part of your day somehow so because it's wedding season uh if you want to you know go to dicksbydelaney.com get those uh you know those wedding mugs, dicks, shot glasses mags. yeah um just doing mugs right now because oh, that's been the the most popular the, the best seller that's what people get really riled up that's about what you're known for uh yeah so um that's been hilarious and then uh, another thing i'm now offering uh creative consulting just to our patrons on patreon right now so if you're interested uh go to patreon.com selfhelpless self helpless and uh join our patreon and then uh hit me up via email um if you are interested for more information it's been super cool
3: awesome mm. and please if you haven't yet subscribe to self helpless on itunes give it a five star rating and review that's how we stay on the itunes charts and keep moving up uh it really takes no time at all and we really appreciate it and uh, just tell a friend if you love self helpless spread the word yes
0: Yay. all right love you guys love you, love you guys bye, bye. bye. You guys, we love you so much. Thank you for supporting Self Helpless. You can follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Self Helpless Podcast. And you can visit SelfHelplessPodcast.com for all things Self Helpless. Learn about Patreon and how to sign up. Our merch is there. Information about our Facebook group and how to join all the episodes you can listen to are on there. A little bit about the show. Our individual sites are linked there. And our contact information, email and P.O. box if you want to send us some love letters. Yeah. And you can follow us individually as well. I am at Delaney Fisher on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and DelaneyFisher.com where you can watch my docu-comedy special Love at First Cousin for free. And then dicksbydelaney.com if you want to buy some dick mugs. Sweet. I'm at Kelsey Cook Comedy
3: on Instagram, at Kelsey Cook on Twitter, kelseycook.com for all tour dates and merch. And my album, Savor It, is still available to buy on iTunes. And you can watch Wrists of Fury, my foosball web series that has an episode of Taylor and Delaney uh, on the All Things Comedy YouTube channel.
2: And I am at Taylor Tomlinson on Twitter and Instagram, and ttomcomedy.com. For my Netflix special and all live tour dates. Sweet. We Yay. love you guys so much.
4: Yeah. Bye bye. Why won't let me?